All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's September 30th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with a cash game... Oh, I was going to say article, but we already wrote the article. Cash game plays for FanDuel and DraftKings Week 4. Coming off an interesting Week 3 in that when lineups locked... I want to talk about this for a couple seconds. We don't, do the, we don't do the recap podcast anymore, which is cool, but I think we can spend like two minutes here at the top just talking about this. Lineups lock at... Um, at 1 o'clock Eastern, and we look at our ownership percentages on both sites, DraftKings and FanDuel, and it's really low for our cash games. Like, we have yeah. Calvin Ridley at, like, no ownership with no Julio Jones. Russell Gage, sort of the same way. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, who, that was a guy we were fence sitting on, but uh, ultimately decided on, all oh, really low ownership. And I thought to myself, oh, this is amazing. Like, we did it. Like, this is going to be cash and GPP, top of the top. Like, we're going we're gonna to cash our cash games at the top of the GPP. Uh, stacks because we have just stumbled mm-hmm. into a situation where either we've missed major news or <laughs> which I actually thought about for a second because which I, we didn't, which we didn't and, or our thought process and our inputs and just whatever else we're doing is just different in a way that I was so happy about. <laughs> I mean, didn't, okay, here's the, so that's the, I'm going to bury the lead here a little bit. It didn't exactly work. We had some injuries. Gage gets hurt. Jordan Reed we had gets hurt. It didn't. It didn't like necessarily work out, but process-wise, I was all I was all about it when I saw the ownership in a way that I we've been here before with this kind of thing and thought a little uneasy about where we landed with our process compared to the field. And this was not a situation where I felt that at all. I mean, I th- you felt the same way, right? I'm kind of rehashing because we talked a little bit off the air, but I think it's worth mentioning here about how a process can take you to a place that is divergent and good. And and mm-hmm. and I don't want to be results based about this because look, like I said, Gage gets hurt. That's a huge thing. Ridley gets like twelve targets, only converts on five of them. Toe taps a touchdown and the one. I mean, there's lots of little McKinnon drops a touchdown, Reed drops a touchdown. Like there's little things that happen that kind of don't end up working. But as a process wise, it was the first time I've been majorly off chalk and felt really really good about it when the kicks are going up in the air. Yeah, I think that's pretty good framing actually. I think what happens often when we run into a situation like this is that sort of the public has decided on a certain player or a certain game that they're just going to play numbers be damned basically like, or they're just going to stretch for it. Maybe is a fairer way to put it where they say like, yeah, maybe all these guys in the Dallas and Seattle game are a little bit too expensive, but we're just going to go for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when that happens, there's a cascading effect where let's say, you know, we're playing, uh, a quarterback that's 2000 cheaper than everyone else. Right. And that, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but let's say it's, it's something like that. Then all of our, the rest of our plays are going to be off chalk too. Right. Just because even if they're great plays, because other people are going to look and maybe they would like to play Calvin Ridley, but they simply can't afford it because they've allocated their money elsewhere. So I think that's pretty much what happened. Like um, people looked at that Dallas Seattle game with the big total and just went for it. I still agree with our process on not doing that. I think I still agree with the premise that, Scoring gets spread out in uh, off for both of those teams in a somewhat unpredictable way, with the possible exception of like the quarterbacks and Tyler Lockett. Um, but you know, like Michael Gallup was in the FanDuel Million winning lineup. Nobody played him in cash, right? right? So how much of the the big total was he eating up with his production? So uh, yeah, so I, I still comfortable with the approach. 
Obviously, it didn't get there this time, but that's the way of the road. Yeah, and you know, guys like Ken and Drake were chalk. I didn't really want to do that. I kind of, I sort of understand, but the snaps, like we're trying to. I'm real. I'm getting real fickle with these running backs. No, I feel I feel really great with how we did with running back. I, I wouldn't. I didn't want to play Kenyon Drake. Yeah. So. Um. Like we ended up with uh, Jacob. No, I keep saying I keep saying Jacob. We had Jonathan Taylor, Miles Sanders, and Jarek McKinnon. All of which you know I feel fine with. Anyway, just not to not to belabor it too much, but it was, I thought it was interesting in a way that it's usually not because the first couple of weeks we were basically all the way on chalk, and so yeah. it's not like our process has changed at all. We have we're very confident in the way it, it's you know we, we produce this kind of thing, and so when our exact same process yields different results in a week where other weeks it had yielded chalk. I always find that very interesting. And mm-hmm. sometimes, like I said, like this will be my final point. Sometimes there's a sense of unease. Like, you know, I said, you know, if we found out that X was 70% start going into the Sunday and we didn't have that player, would we feel uncomfortable? We talk about the situation a lot. And I say, yeah, there are situations like that. This was not one of them when I saw Drake or when I predicted Jake's ownership was going to be like that. I, I didn't feel uncomfortable with that play. That wasn't something that worried me. We're going to get into week four cash game plays right now. Some of this, uh, we're starting to see a lot of just kind of week over week similarities in just who the values are. And I think that's going to, short of injury, we're just kind of staring down the barrel at things like this because certain teams have just made it known how they're going to operate at this point. And short of injury, there hasn't really been a price correction enough on some of these guys to really flip on how we view them in terms of cash game. So I do think in some ways our cash game picks this week are going to not mirror, but are going to be similar to what we had last week. And I'll start with Kyler Murray. He was a chalk play. Um, we had him on DraftKings. He was basically like an 80% of our top 100 FanDuel lineups. I think it was Atlanta FanDuel lineup two, and Cam Newton was in lineup one. Uh, he was kind of underwhelming last week and a pretty bad loss they took to the Lions. I do think that we can trot him right back out here in cash. Um, and I do think just because – and it, it is. I will say it's weird, though, because we're in a situation with quarterback where they're the top of this quarterback tier – there's just a group of dudes that are so good that I do mm. think you can play really any of them. And at that point, you're probably just looking for the cheapest guy. I'm going to put that group at, at least in the main slate, Russell Wilson. I'm going to probably put Dak in that group. Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes. And I'm going to throw one other guy at the end here. Would you say that group, though, is like they're so far head and shoulders above everybody else, but sort of picking between them is like really to me probably only comes down to price. Does that make sense? We no, could, matchup too. And oh, yeah. I, sorry, matchup. Yeah, I, that was a stupid omission that I didn't put in there. Yes, matchup too. Um, between at that point, it's just really just matchup and price because, and I guess you could say that about every position, but not really. Do you agree with that? Like I'm, I'm kind of stumbling here, but I, I do. I just think that there's this group. I could have written up any one of those six guys. Probably ultimately chose Kyler because the matchup's great and he's just. Oh, he's in the lower third tier of that pricing in, in, in that group. Well, it's and so what happens, what I, what I think you're pinning down, which is something we've been saying for years, is that dual threat quarterbacks are always going to be safer yes. than the rest. Every one of those guys, those are kind of the six definitive, or five or six, I can't remember if he threw Cam in there or not, um, definitive dual threat quarterbacks. And when you get that, like Kyler, you know, back to, to swing it back over to Kyler, yeah, he actually had a bad week from a real-life football perspective, and he still punched out 24.7 FanDuel points. If he averaged 24.7 FanDuel points, that would have been the second-highest FanDuel points per game average from last season behind only Lamar Jackson, right? So even on his, even when he misses, he can't miss. You know what I mean? Like, and this is also, incidentally, why I didn't like Kenyon Drake, because he also had the rushing touchdown. He's up to four rushing touchdowns right now. If you're going to... 
I mean, average a rushing touchdown a game, that'd be unheard of, but that's what we're looking at so far. And the floor that that brings to the table, bringing nine, 10 points from your running game means you don't have to do much on the passing side in order to get there. So yeah, I love Murray this week. Um, I think you're right. I think we'll probably key in on the running quarterback with the best matchup. Also, you know, there is a is something to be said for how much of your team's offense you account for. So I would say Murray generally is going to be safer than someone like Dak going forward, just because we know that there are still a lot of, you know, outstanding Ezekiel Elliott touchdowns coming, right? right. Uh, like we saw Dak's week one where he played pretty much fine, only scored 17 fantasy points because there are other ways that offense can score. So, yeah, so I, I love Murray this week. Is a long story short. He gets Carolina. Carolina is the bottom third defense to start the season that was just pretty much predicted going in. We knew the defense was going to be bad. They have not disappointed. However, we, we want to phrase that from a positive or a negative. Uh, so they, mm-hmm. they've been very bad. I did write up Russ, too, because I, you just have to at this point. The numbers are just completely ludicrous, what he's doing to start the season. Uh, the, only, the only hesitancy I have about playing him is that it just doesn't seem like he can keep this up <laughs> because – uh, if he just keeps this up, like, you know, comp- completing 77% of his passes, 14 touchdowns to one interception, he has easily the most yards per attempt in the top group. Um, he has, he's ranked, I think, fourth in yards, but he has, you know, 11. Okay, I'll put it this way. He's fourth in yards, but Dak's first. He has 40 fewer passing attempts than Dak. He's like, he's played a whole game less in terms of passing attempts right. than, than Dak has, and he's only 200 yards behind him. So it's, there's really it's like cra- if you don't if you don't write him up it's crazy basically at this point and I'm still kind of on the fence about whether it's even sustainable specifically with the touchdowns now you want to say maybe the touchdowns drop and the yards pick up and Chris Carson's hurt maybe they throw the ball even more than they have been which for them is a lot which compared to the NFL still isn't that much uh, that's that's fine and I'm just like you just can't you're being intellectually dishonest to not write him up and I, I with the little caveat of it just feels crazy to keep this up for an entire season and he's like a top one two quarterback in the league you know what I mean so I, I think I, I'd be fine playing him I think you'll probably see people playing him and I would just say it doesn't feel like the touchdowns can keep going at this rate for the passing attempts and if there's any quarterback in the league maybe other than the Mahomes that can keep up that kind of rate then that he's probably the guy yeah that sounds right to me I you know just the incredible accuracy um that that's not new like a lot of the, a lot of what we're seeing is just kind of an amplified version of what we already knew was there, right? And while he probably won't finish this season with 90 passing touchdowns, um, I think the consistency is going to be there in a way. Because the thing is, uh, of this group of guys that we've discussed, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, he's just the best pure passer of the group. And in an odd way, like we talked about how the running game gives you a high floor, also, just being really, really, really good at passing <laughs> gives you a high floor. And so, yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. It seems one way or the other, I don't know if you agree with this as well, that we'll be on FanDuel, we're going to be paying up a quarterback this week. I think, I think we're going to be gonna paying have. up just for the whole season. Uh, like, I think that's just. Yeah, I think I, that's probably right. I, I think I, the floor is just too much right now. And that's why I just mentioned this group of guys. I think this group of guys is go, short of injuries somewhere. And even the injuries for quarterbacks doesn't matter because it's usually just such a downgrade for talent. So it just doesn't. I I just think one of yeah the you don't get you don't get those random backups. You know it's kind of funny because we um you know in our ebook over at dfsr.com/ebooks we talk about positional volatility and this is something that's kind of ridden different waves. I think it's fair to say like you know sometimes the top wide receivers are actually less volatile than the top running backs. Um, 
and you know they they kind of jockey for a position. Tight end is always a mess with incredible volatility, but high end quarterbacks. I would be curious for this year because I, I don't think we've done it so far. Um, if you went back and looked at that volatility among the high end quarterbacks, because I have to think any variance that there is is variance to the good side, right? Like there's no version of Kyler Murray going out there and scoring seven fantasy points in the same way that you can have for top end wide receivers, let's say. So, uh, or even Derrick Henry, right? Derrick Henry was consensus the best running back. Um, I think it was going into week three, week two or week three. I can't remember which week it was for him that he just disappeared completely. Oh, it was week two. Uh, going into week two, people are like, you know, us included. Uh, oh, Derrick Henry can't miss. And then he had 80, 84 total yards, right? There's no version of that for quarterback. And since you're basically paying the same amount, like, if you compare Kyler at 8,400 to Derrick Henry at 8,500, isn't it just a clear, the no-brainerist of no-brainers to say that Murray's safer? Of course it is, right? Okay, so I have the numbers real quick. I pulled it up while you're, I ran the query real quick while you're talking. It's crazy. So the top, and we're going to get to this in a second. Actually, the top DraftKings scoring guy this season is Alvin Kamara, which really, that, that kind of creeped over on last Sunday when he just had a bananas game, and he's just now getting all of Michael Thomas's targets. So we're going to talk about Kamara in a second. But... If you look at uh, coefficient of variation, which is just uh, standard deviation uh, divided by mean, the um, like so Camara is 0.23. So by the way, the higher the number, the more volatile they are. So 0.23 is Camara. Wilson is 0.05. So like <laughs> I don't know, five times l- less volatile than him. Uh, and then the next guy is Josh Allen. So Kamara, Wilson's number two. Uh, Josh Allen's third. He's .08, so three times less volatile. And then you get to, like, Dak, who's more volatile, but that's because the yards and the touchdowns have been all the way up there. But then you go down to, like, Mahomes, less volatile than Kamara, Kyler, way less and than at .12. I know that I, I hate to be, like, in the reading decimal point numbers because it's super boring. But the point being that you were correct. Running this very quickly shows that these quarterbacks that are at the top of scale are even more than other years. I'm sure if I went back to other years, this group would not be as deep, right? It would, there would still be guys like Mahomes, for instance, last year would be one of these guys mm-hmm. that was just incredibly consistent. There's just more of them now. I think that's really what it is. And it's because the, the dual threat is just, these guys are all just dual threats. And whenever you can do both things, you're just, your, your floor is just so much higher. That's really what it is. Like Tom, not Tom Brady, like Aaron Rodgers is going to have a tougher time being as consistent like this because he just doesn't run a mu- run as much and he's and, and, and by the way I'm, I'm right because he's he's more volatile than any of that group that i just named so um yeah it's just interesting i, I think we can probably move past this the other guys i wrote up i i just to just in the interest of writing someone that isn't in that top group i did write up joe burrow because he's been pretty good to start the season and he is cheaper probably he's not he's definitely not gonna be a cash game play that i prioritize over any of those guys but I don't know, kind of just wanted to write up somebody different, and I thought he was interesting, and he's been pretty good to start the season, and I do think the touchdowns tick up. He has a good matchup this week. One other quick guy I want to get your opinion on, and we're going to move on. We always end up spending more time on quarterbacks and then kind of race to the finish. Deshaun Watson has been really pretty bad to start the season. I think going into the year, we would have put him in that group that we just mentioned, but we just can't because of what he's done. He's also had an absolutely brutal run of matchups to start the season. He had to play Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and KC. Now, whatever you want to say about how those teams operate on defense, like KC just held Baltimore 20 points, right? Pittsburgh we know is a very good defense. Baltimore we know is a very good Mm -hmm. defense. He this week gets his best matchup uh, of the season against – oh, I just had it in front of me. Um, I wrote it up too. Yeah, sorry. He gets Minnesota in a really high total game. Like this is way beyond – would you be interested in seeing a bounce back week from him? Because now his three weeks of being pretty bad have actually priced him way under that group. But 
yeah. definitely going into the season, we would have put him in that group. So I'm just real quick. Give me you know, 10 seconds worth of thoughts on Watson. Yeah, I mean, so for starters, Watson's a great big tournament play here. I think a lot of people, a lot of that big tournament ownership is going to be gobbled up among the top group that we described. And Watson, I think going into K, I'm trying to figure out, see if I can just off the cuff remember what we had him projected for um, in that KC game. Because I know if for our single game showdown lineups, we had a lot of Watson in the MVP slot, you know. Um, yeah. Like if we put in our yeah, top fifty he lineups, was high. Or whatever. he wasn't. He wasn't the same as he wasn't the same as Mahomes. It wasn't he the was same up as there Mahomes. Way so. less than. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. So I certainly find it to be an interesting discussion. Um, I think there's good reason to believe that the Texans' offense is fundamentally worse this year than it was last year. So that's the one knock against Watson. You know, where those other guys. We know that they can make it work in their current offensive structure. We're not sure about Watson just yet, right? Like Will Fuller is supposed to be the heir apparent to DeAndre Hopkins. You get no catches against Baltimore, right? So I think there are some big-time issues there. You know, the insistence on continuing to give David Johnson dead plays, right? I mean, talk about, like, it's really hard to get eviscerated in a kind of a one-for-one trade. But boy, did the Texans try hard to do just that. Uh, it's been disgusting in the last two games for him. Uh, 11 for 34 against Baltimore, 13 for 23. Yeah, yeah, tough matchups, but those are are not the numbers you're hoping to see. So anyway, I think Watson, you can't play him in cash. You can't try to guess right on the week that he returns for cash, I don't think. But it wouldn't shock anyone if he finishes the year averaging the same you know, 22-ish fantasy points a game the way he did last year. Yeah. Um, I, so anyway, just interesting. I, I get the weapons are worse, but this is a good matchup. Uh, Minnesota uh, bottom third defense. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back and we'll talk about some of these running backs. All right, running backs. Now, last week we walked into this week playing Taylor. Felt really good about that. Played Miles Sanders. Felt good about that. For some reason, the Eagles stopped running the ball with him, even though they were chewing up yards. Um, where do we want to start with running back? I do feel like there's, uh, much like quarterback, there is a group of just no doubt usage guys. I don't want to say production because I find at this point, I think usage and production are a little different, but the, but I think we want to base it mm-hmm. a little on usage here. There's a group at the top and then the group stops pretty quickly. <laughs> I think that's, if I want to sum it up correctly, um, where do we want to start with running back this week, knowing we're probably already starting by paying up a quarterback? Yeah. So the way it's shaking out for us just on a high level um, in terms of our optimal lineups right now is that we are landing with an expensive quarterback, fairly expensive running backs, and then you know kind of making it work through wide receiver. Like we don't have any of the, we don't have any wide receivers over seventy five hundred in our optimal lineups on FanDuel right now, and the guys that we're targeting specifically, uh, well, there's two of them. So one is is Derrick Henry. Um, you know, I think many people and even us to some level are ready to pour dirt on Henry after he was so disappointing on a fantasy level going into week two. I did ultimately, or going into week three, I did ultimately write him up in that week um, just because, you know, we've talked about how opportunity trumps talent. And last year, Henry had both the opportunity and the talent. <laughs> so that's what made him, you know, $9,000 plus back that people were happy, happily jamming in cash throughout the season. Uh, this year, he might be more heavy on opportunity than talent. But hey, if you're going to get the ball 29 times a game, which is basically what he's averaging so far, you don't need to be very good on a per-touch basis. 
Uh, if you're going to get your goal line carries to boot, you don't need to be too great on a per-touch basis. So uh, Henry goes up against Pittsburgh this week. It's not a matchup many people are going to be excited about for obvious reasons. Pittsburgh, the uh, best team in the NFL against the run so far. But I also want to call out Pittsburgh's matchup so far because they've gone against the Giants with Barkley Hurt, the Broncos, and the Texans with David Johnson, right? So Pittsburgh, absolute dream matchups in terms of going up against opposing running games. And I don't think they're as good as, as they've been so far. And uh, Vegas, you know, this this game is waffled. Tennessee opened as one-and-a-half-point favorites. The line got bet to Pittsburgh minus two. It's kind of been dancing around there since. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a blowout by any stretch. And I think Tennessee's path towards being involved in this game goes through Derrick Henry. So I would be fine going back to Derrick Henry this week, uh, even at a pretty high price point. Yeah, he gets there on the touchdowns last week, uh, for sure. So I think that that you like to see, you know that 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 part of this game being solidified is still worth a lot in in a way that you really can't say about a lot of running backs. And that the the plan when they're down and close is to give the ball to him, um, basically any quarter, any basically wipe out any running back from the teams that I mentioned with the expensive quarterbacks because that's what their plan is to run those guys down and close. Um, Henry doesn't fall into that category, so that's good. I'm still. In the old, the wheels coming off sooner than later, Henry, just have to be. Agreed. I think we just have to be sort of waiting for it. And he's carried the ball now between last season, the postseason, and this season. He's carried the ball almost 500 times, like 470 times or something like that <laughs> over the last. Seems like a lot. Okay. That is like 24 <laughs> games. It's, it's, it's just a completely unsustainable number. The history on this is so bad. It just, it's not even bad. It just is. It just is what it is. Like, you just, you carry the ball a lot. You, you eventually, one day you wake up and it's over. That's it. That's, that's just the, that's the whole story of these running backs. It's just, there's like one guy, again, Adrian Peterson. There's one guy. Everyone else, it just ends. And so, not, and again, but that's not to say it's going to happen this week because if they're just, the ball, if they're going to get the ball 30 times, that's a lot of floor. So I think I'm with you. I, it's an interesting point about the Steelers matchup so far. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm buying that. Uh, they are, Tennessee is two-point underdogs at home. That line feels kind of wrong to me. I know our betting system does not – that actually thinks they're just outright favorites to win here. So, um, yeah, like Henry, where do you want to go after him? I mean, we have I – mean, well, real quick, this is the group that I would put in that uh, no-doubt usage, guys. Zeke, uh, Derrick Henry – Probably Josh Jacobs. Can't put Jonathan Taylor in that group anymore. Not Eckler. Cook is weird. I actually might put Mike Davis in that group. James Robinson. And, and I guess Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? Like, that, is that it? I, I, this is the main slate group. I, even Kamara. I wasn't prepared to answer that, like a list like that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I, yeah, there, there aren't as many as there used to be. I think it's the, is the fair point. Um, yeah, Kamara, you mentioned. Uh, I do think. He's a great DraftKings play going into this week just because the target share is absolutely outrageous right now. So eight targets, nine targets. Now that Thomas is out of the picture, 14 targets, caught 13 balls for 139 yards and two touchdowns. Um, He's always a weird one for my brain to process a little bit because oftentimes we're doing the, okay, this guy is a running back and 70% of a wide receiver, let's say, in the best case. Kamara is a wide receiver one and... 50% 50% of a running back. <laughs> so uh, as long as you understand that, then I think you can properly evaluate him. Uh, for cash on FanDuel, I, I would not be interested at all. Uh, Kamara's production so far has been super, super touchdown heavy. I mean, he's scoring two touchdowns a game. He has not been a touchdown hawk for them in the past. 
and we have many years of that being sort of the established track record. He's not going to finish with 30 touchdowns, obviously. So if you figure great running backs are good for one touchdown a game, you're talking about shaving six fantasy points a game off of his production so far. And it would still be excellent, of course. But um, right now he looks like a rich man's Christian McCaffrey from last year. And that's that's not what he is. All right, give me the then after him. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to read the list. I was kind of just going off of like where I'm trying to land in the trust. Oh, I don't mind reading category. the list. I'm just not going to be able to when I hear the list. I'm not going to be able to spitball like who was off the list. I just wasn't ready. For this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what, okay, other um, other no guys worries. besides okay, so moving besides on. Henry. Um, then, and I think and, and I think like I said, I think we are playing Kamara on DraftKings. You just can't ignore it. You just can't ignore the targets for a full PPR at this point. Yeah, I agree with him. Uh, so a guy I'd like to go back to the well on, and I'm curious to know your thoughts is Clyde edwards hilaire So um, he's kind of in the opposite situation as Kamara in that um, he's very, very run heavy. He's getting a ton of opportunities, right? So against on Monday Night Football against the Ravens, he had 26 opportunities. Uh, so that's targets plus carries. Turn that into 134 yards. So a great start. The fly in the ointment for Edward Solaire is that he's not getting into the end zone. And actually, part of that could be luck. But part of that could be structural. Uh, he's a smaller guy. You know, on Thursday Night Football, for instance, he, against um, the, the Texans to open the season, he was getting those goal line carries and just not converting them, right? So, um, and on a per-touch basis, it's not it's not been, been super pretty, right? But um, with six targets last game, eight targets the prior game, obviously super high value targets in that offense. The overall yards per game, have been as safe as they could possibly be. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. Does he pass that sniff test for you? Because if he were scoring touchdowns at the same rate as the other guys in this usage range, then he would be 8,000 plus, but he's not. Um, so what do you think about going back to Clive edwards Lair here, knowing that this could be an off-shot player? Yeah, no, I think the opportunity is there. He's the the snaps are the snaps are there. I look at snaps first for some of these guys because I just want to know. I just need to know that they're going to be on the field, like for the majority. Mm-hmm. And that was really pretty much the case. Fifty two of the seventy five awesome offensive snaps. You love to see that from running back at this point in this in this uh, day and age. The six targets are good. Uh, I do think the plan. He's still in those packages. He's still in the packages um, coming into like the goal line situations or like when they are close. They do score a lot of long touchdowns, and so. That's always going to probably screw him up a little, also, just because the, the offense is so dynamic. Mm-hmm. They had that, you know, the weird underhanded play to Sherman the other day. So, this is one of those situations where I'm I, not to say that anyone's due for touchdowns, but I just think that yes, I, okay, it's a long-winded way to say yeah. This is a, a fine situation for him, though. I, 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 I think people will probably still play him. I don't think it's like necessarily crazy off chalk, and I'm just in a, I'm, I'm in a scenario now where. He's part of that small group of guys that I can trust, or at least just going to be on the field for like seventy-five percent of the team snaps, and that to me is good enough. <laughs> I kind of and I and yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think I think people are going to be spooked by when they see the name the Patriots um, in the matchup. I think that could push people away as well, but that just ignores. I mean, Vegas's opinion of this game, right? The Chiefs are seven-point favorites. Uh, the Pats' defense has just been a pale imitation of what it was last year. Uh, they've allowed 4.6 yards per carry this year, for instance, which is in the bottom half of the league. I think I'm just like excited to play Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at this low price point. I think whenever 
like the way you can buy low on guys in the NFL is when they're not scoring touchdowns. That's like the the discount that you get, right? <laughs> because thing other things tend to normalize fairly quickly, you know, target conversion for wide receivers or, you know, yards per carry, things like that. You kind of are who you are. One area that fluctuates pretty wildly is getting touchdowns. I mean, not in a not too distant past, people were saying Alvin Kamara can never get in the end zone, right? Like that was the whole thing. Um, and we would play him and people would say, ah, but he can't score touchdowns. It's like, well, actually he just can, right? <laughs> He's scoring, he scored six through three games. I think there will be a, a stretch like that for Edward Slayer as well and the price will come up. So if I'm looking for trying to get discounts at higher ticket running backs, this is the way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think, you know, he's like seventh or eighth most expensive running back on FanDuel. Uh, you let, that's a really pretty good spot to be with this kind of usage. Uh, I think he's a little more expensive on DraftKings relative to the field. Eh, I don't know. No, they take that back. Maybe he's, even, he's, maybe he's even lower. Yeah, he's like, so it's interesting. Edwards Hilaire on DraftKings is cheaper than Jonathan Taylor. I'd much rather have CH at this point in terms of like just what I know the, what I know the opportunity is going to be. He's less expensive. Than and what James the offense Connor. is capable Connor of, right? I mean, this touches. is... Yeah, yes. I'm with you for sure. So, so anyway, um, okay. Let's any any other guys. I, I'm, let me just throw out a couple of names for you. Um, I, Mike Davis, James Robinson. These are like some cheaper guys. That they uh, they kind of do fit the mold for me. Any of these guys interest you in cash? Yeah, I thought about both Robinson and Davis um, in kind of like the cheap slot because you do run out of money basically once you go expensive quarterback. And if you're going to play, you know, spend say sixteen thousand at running back, that's going to leave you with not too much left over. And I think Davis is actually pretty interesting here. Um, you know, the pa- the Panthers came out and shocked everyone by just sticking right there with the Chargers. And a lot of that was due to Mike Davis's ability to just kind of be a poor man's Christian McCaffrey, right? Like, he's not considered to be the same talent, but he caught eight of the nine balls thrown his way for 45 yards and a touchdown. And that's pretty darn good production, like on DraftKings, of course, at sub-6,000. But on FanDuel at 63, that's not so bad either. And... Um, he also had 13 carries. So I think really he was doing, he was just contributing across all phases of the offense. And so, uh, Panthers come into this game, four point underdogs. You don't love to see that when you're playing a running back, but if you're involved in a passing game, that does mitigate some of the, you know, depressed production you might get from your team being behind. So yeah, I, uh, I, 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 I don't know if I pumped to play Mike Davis, but I could definitely do it and not feel too guilty. Uh, and Robinson, you know, it's, it's basically almost the same exact speech. I think you're going to be concerned with the Jags because they've just shown flashes of being as bad as everyone thought they were, uh, like against Miami, for instance. And Robinson's line was buoyed against Miami by having those two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, he, he caught six balls as well. But I, I think people are going to be unnecessarily bullish on him after the Miami game because it was the you know Thursday night slate. People got to watch. He was great from fantasy purposes, but he's not going to turn six targets into 83 yards very often, and he's not going to turn 11 carries into two touchdowns very often either. So I do think there is some regression to the mean coming there. Yeah, I think I think Davis is kind of a lock for me. Uh, if like this is going to be, he played 79 percent of the snaps. They're just using him as McCaffrey. Yeah. That's just it. I, I get that he's a lesser version in terms of talent. The team is not that good. If you're just going to be on the field yeah. that much, it just uh, yeah, back to opportunity. That's just, that, yeah. that, that feels. If, if you're just gonna be on the field, even if you're losing, that's all I care about, right? Sometimes with some of these bad teams, if you're if you're on the field and even when you're losing, that's fine for me. You can be on a bad team. It's just when you're it's just when you're not on the field when you're losing. That's 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 a problematic place to be. So um, okay, we can move off this. Let's talk wide receiver. I think we are gonna have to go a little cheaper at wide receiver this week, just because of the nature of the other positions. I started with Tyler Lockett. 
he's just, um, you know, he's fourth overall in targets this season. The price has not come anywhere close to coming up to where he's getting targeted in, in this offense, especially if you think there's more volume to come because they haven't had to throw a ton because they've been scoring pretty easily. Uh, if there's, I think, the, for instance, I think Russell Wilson's passing attempts can only tick up at this point, especially if like Chris Carson's hurt and they just do need to pass a little bit more. Um, would you feel safe? Lockett was a guy that we were at, like, kind of fence, on the fence on last week. He was really, really close for us. I think he didn't end up being in the top line. It was probably a mistake. I think it was the one mistake that I kind of look back on last week is probably not just being a little bit more bullish on his opportunity, even though we had him as like, the mm-hmm. fourth highest rated wide receiver. So it wasn't even like we were low on him. It was just yeah. – um, just like it just needed like an extra hundred or two actually like extra half target to get well, yeah and i don't play. think we can honestly kill ourselves on the locket thing because it's easy like hindsight's always 2020 with these things but he only had 16 targets through two games right like that's right fine um but that's not like elite and we'd seen plenty of guys um that had just been targeted way more so you know it, it winds up feeling much worse because he was not only better than the guy we played at a similar price point but much higher owned and that's no you don't want to be that's that's not a great uh a great feeling or a great look but the guy we played julian element was averaging 12 percent more targets per game than he was going into it right coming off a bigger week in which he was targeted more and had way more yards so i don't and just had plenty of a fine matchup too going up against vegas so i, I don't think it's like a yeah i don't know I, I don't think it was a glaring mistake by any stretch of the imagination I think people. I think he's a good play. He's still too cheap, but I think people are going to overestimate his prospects after a three touchdown game against Dallas. Like, you know, Wilson spreads the ball around enough that I think his kind of half a touchdown per game pace, which is what he had through the first two games, that's more of what I'm expecting from him going forward. Oh, a guy I want your opinion on because we had a clear shift in what's happening with the team, and it's going to stay that way. Is Keenan Allen? So Keenan Allen gets eight targets the first week. Uh, with Tyrod Taylor, and you're like, okay, that's not a guy we wanted to be all that bullish on with the new quarterback situation, especially if Tyrod was going to run the ball a little more. Then they make the move to Justin Herbert, kind of out of necessity because Taylor's on his way to the hospital with a punctured lung. But Allen comes out and over the last two weeks has 29 targets. He had 19 targets last week from Herbert. Are we back to Keenan Allen just being an absolute elite target guy because the last two weeks sure would suggest it. And we have a clear change of something that happened, which was a new quarterback that just wants to throw to him all the time. Like, are we back into, we've always liked to play this guy just because I'm, I'm just, I'm right. feeling nostalgic right now. I feel like this yeah. is like <laughs> Doug and James in 2017. All of a sudden. And I'm, you know, you know, I'm here for the it. matchup and see Keen and Allen at 5% ownership in our optimal lineup. Sure. Let's go for it. I mean, it, if you if that's a again if if we saw him a five percent ownership I'd be all for it. Now this is a bad matchup. The Tampa Bay secondary is like is really good um, between Murphy Bunning and Davis and Dean, but so that he gets he does get a downgrade on the matchup for sure a hundred percent. But in terms of the targets, I don't know. There's there's just such a high there's such yeah. a high floor. I'll take so it. I, I'm, okay. I'm 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 here for it. Yeah, I think and I don't. I mean you're right. I think when you see outrageous target share like that. You will see higher ownership, so I don't think we'd be on Keenan Allen Island, but I am comfortable with it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like when you see 19 targets, I don't know what the ex- yards expectation ought to be in a situation like that. Um, 132 yards, potentially on the low end, right? Like that's not that many yards for 19 targets, but uh, he is a possession receiver, and, you know, these quarterbacks that are thrust into new situations, they tend to lean into their possession guys, and when it's working, they stick with what works. So um, 
I do think that he'll be heavily targeted here. One issue with a one-dimensional passing offense, unless it's like a truly, you know, Randy Moss level talent or something like that, is other teams can just kind of try and choose to just t- try to take it away, right, with double teams and um, different schemes and so on. But yeah, I'm ready to play Allen. I I don't see like the price is just low enough. I think it'd be a, an interesting discussion for me at like 7,500 or 7,700 or something like that at sub 7,000. Given how much we want to spend elsewhere, let's just go for it. I'm going to rattle off. We're starting to go long here, so I'm just going to rattle off a couple names that I think you can really consider here. I still pretty feel pretty good about Mari Cooper's target share, even with all the weapons. They just has sustained. That is, even with other guys getting opportunity, like Cedric Wilson comes out of nowhere, or like Michael Gallup has a big game. Cooper's targets, everyone else is getting opportunity, like kind of game by game, except Cooper's just getting them every game. So I'm still pretty comfortable with the Cooper piece, um, even with the price ticking up. Although, I mean, yeah, at, se- at 7.1 on, on DraftKings, I, that's not even totally outrageous to me. Um, other guys, it, look, if, if Chris Godwin is... Another out- guy, you can't you can't be afraid of Cooper's... Well, I'm just going to jump in on Cooper yeah. for a second. You can't be afraid of Cooper's touchdown share either. Um, given that level of target share, how effective he's been, you just assume that that's coming up. And actually, you should be extremely encouraged. The fact that he scored... 13.1, 13, and 13.1 fantasy points per game. Like, those are his game-by-game on FanDuel. That's incredible consistency. You sprinkle in a touchdown, and you're thrilled. So he's a close to a cash game lock. Like, I'd prefer to play him even over, like, Keenan Allen, for instance. I, I think he's a great play. Yeah, and then, um, look, if Chris Godwin misses time, and it looks like he's going to, it looks like Mike Evans probably is going to get a ton of targets. He got a lot of targets when the game Godwin missed before, so I think you could probably tick – you can take Evans up, uh, Evans up a little bit here. Um, just still waiting on that Godwin news. Maybe we'll know more as the week goes on. And then uh, last couple guys, Robbie Anderson's actually turned himself into an actual conversion guy. <laughs> and DJ Moore's the guy that can't catch any balls anymore. It's really weird. They, they've kind of swapped sort of life roles in terms of how they operated. Uh, DJ Moore is having trouble with the conversions. The targets are still there. Robbie Anderson's one of the, been one of the top targeted wide receivers just in all of football this season. He's a top 10 target guy, uh, and he's converting at 83% of them. Uh, now, and so you want to say that maybe touchdowns are coming there. The Carolina offense is bad. Just some interesting guys. Um, and so, and I, and I do, I, I don't know, did any of those guys have any interest for you? We can move on the tight ends and get kind of roll out of here. But um, thoughts here on thoughts here on Anderson. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be super excited to play Anderson, I don't think. I mean, I'm with you that the if you're just adding up aggregate target share, it's all there. But um, like in terms of just like, and I don't know if it's like recency bias, but just six targets against LA uh, as Evans is, or um, Davis rather is moving into a greater target share. I think that would be a like kind of an off chalk play for a guy that's appears to be heading in the wrong direction. So I think I'd be hoping for more. Um, if that's the only, if that's just what we need to do to make the lineups work, then I could consider it. But of the plays we've discussed so far, and it makes sense because he's the cheapest guy, but that'd be the one I'd be least excited for. So that's kind of my feeling on that. All right, let's roll through. Let's roll through tight ends. Um, are yeah, we're, let's roll through tight ends. Are we going cheap here at tight ends again? I think that there are some interesting guys that kind of jumped out of nowhere from last week. Uh, let's walk through tight ends and we'll get out of here. Sure. So I'd love to start with Jimmy Graham. Um, Graham is also part of that uh, Sunday million winning lineup. And I think he's actually, yeah, it did, certainly came absolutely out of nowhere on the surface. But I think there's a really good reason why he performed so well. So Graham was doing basically nothing. Uh, Foles comes in, takes over at quarterback. And seven of Graham's targets, seven of Graham's 10 targets last week, came after Foles took over at quarterback. We know Foles, uh, different stops in his career, has definitely leaned on the tight end, specifically in Philly. Um, 
Graham does have that talent pedigree. He's obviously many years removed from being, you know, household name level, like second round pick in season long league sort of guy. Um, but we know that he is, he's not just some random guy whose name you've never heard before. And now you're like, yeah, play this guy in DFS? Sure, right? Um, so take all that together with the best performance from last week. And for me, I mean, especially 3,800 on DraftKings, you're just getting, you're getting away with something, I think, by playing Graham. Um, I think there's a chance with Foles under center that he's like an 8-10 to 10 target a game guy. And this season, we say this every damn year, tight end is an absolute and full-on train wreck. <laughs> you're either paying way too much for guys that are not going to justify the price, like Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. Um, like Travis Kelsey, he's not received more than 90 yards a game. You're going to pay more than you would pay for like Tyler Lockett. No way. <laughs> like you're just not, you just simply cannot do it. So, so yeah, you're going cheap. Um, so then, and then the other guy that we looked at was Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith is kind of a funny one because he was looking really touchdown heavy or touchdown dependent rather. And, you know, that's kind of the way it goes for tight ends sometimes. Like, reasonable cheap tight ends you're just kind of hoping for four catches and a touchdown but then last week I thought was really encouraging against Minnesota where he has a season high eight targets second in the NFL behind Jimmy Graham at tight end by the way uh eight targets turns it into 61 yards receiving you know nothing to write home again but for a guy like it sure looks like John Smith is not going to kill you on a weekend week out basis and I don't know what more you want from your tight end right now so um if for some reason Graham doesn't look like a palatable play We'll probably rotate over to Johnny Smith. Yeah, the Graham, the the Foles, the Graham thing is a real thing. I you have look in a, again, like you said, in an era or a week or a season where tight ends are just here today, gone tomorrow. Right, Darren Waller gets all the targets and then they disappear. Uh, you know, this is just like Gronk is targeted and then he's not. Like this is just how these guys roll. Like I don't really know another way to put it. These guys are never the first option in their offense. Whenever they're not the first option, the targets can go away. And at that point, you're just trying to buy as much target share for as cheap as possible. And I think that's. On a week-to-week basis, that's really all we're hunting for. It's like that's we're just exactly trying to figure right. out, yeah, like where your five to six targets are that is not going to come at the expense of pivoting off of any good plays elsewhere, and you live with the results. And Graham, uh, I, I, I yep. that, you treat you're treating tight end like a defense, and I think that's totally appropriate. <laughs> right. So like, and uh, Graham just fits the bill there. He's just too cheap. He, I think he'll be he'll be chalk, um, just based on the based on what he did last week and just how good he was. And it's and it's not incorrect. Like sometimes we're like, oh. These plays would have looked good last week, you know, when they're in your lineup. But sometimes it just it's warranted, right? It's it just means that there's something new or fundamental has changed in how the team is schemed, or in this case, who's under who's under center. And as we know from football, that is actually one of the the most important things is who's under center and who does he want to throw to. And um, if you're just going to get some targets at tight end, that's really as, these days that's as much as you can ask for. All right, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com dfsr.com slash deals get you started on our premium subscription package optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA, uh, excuse me, NFL NBA we've got the finals coming up here uh, MLB as we roll through the playoffs it's all covered under one subscription package dfsr.com slash deals buddy talk to you tomorrow when we break down every game on the week four slate peace